Well, you believe one word from God can change your life. Uh, one word that's not from God can really mess you up. And I've been, I've been in church long enough to see both. Amen. And uh, I'm grateful for the fact that God still speaks today. Now, nothing takes the place of the divinely inspired, authoritative, infallible, written Word of God. Amen. Uh, I think a lot of times people get off track when they, uh, when they build their church on something other than Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, and the Word of God. When they, when they build it on their program, they build it on uh, fun and games, they've just missed it. Uh, but uh, I'm grateful for God's written word. But I believe God still speaks today. Uh, he speaks to us in a still small voice. Uh, I think a lot of times we want him to speak to us in thunder and lightning. Uh, amen. But sometimes he just speaks to our heart. And I believe in an atmosphere of worship that God will speak to you today if you'll listen. Uh, I also believe that God speaks to us through uh, the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom. A prophetic word, and I have seen a word from God really change somebody's life uh, in, in really most uh, interesting and amazing ways. Um, several years ago, we had, uh, we, uh, we do an unusual church. I have people ask me rather frequently, uh, are you retired yet? And I say, well, if pastoring two churches and traveling ministry and uh, teaching at a Christian university is retired, I guess I am. Uh, but uh, uh, hardly, anyway. Uh, uh, but several years ago, on one of our uh, Friday night services, uh, we were meeting at a coffee shop at the time, and a family was there doing music uh, for us, and their niece was there just sitting in the congregation. And uh, there was a, 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 the word of the Lord came forth to her. God gave me a word for her, and the word was, I see you on screen. Uh, particularly, I see you on the small screen on television. And someday you will be on television in front of millions of people. Well, here's a 14-year-old girl that wasn't, wasn't even singing with her family at the time. She was just a kid. And uh, several years later, it's been about three or four years ago now, uh, immediately following the Super Bowl on uh, television, uh, they, as soon as the Super Bowl ended, they showed a young lady uh, on her, her stepdad's farm holding a baby goat, and then they sh the next thing they showed was her walking out on stage uh, with holding her parents' hands, and as she walked out on stage, she said, Help me, Jesus! And uh, that night, she sang on the voice uh, in front of 22 million people. Uh, just recently, uh, her song, one of her songs uh, called Love Triangle, which sounds like a bad thing, but it's actually the story of a girl uh, whose parents were divorced and she found herself in a love triangle. Uh, her name's Raylynn, uh, and that song uh, recently uh, went gold on the country music charts. And that young lady has been on the Academy of Country Music Awards, uh, sang at the Grand Old Opry, been on television many times. So one word from God changed her life. And uh, I want to encourage you, if God's speaking something to you, don't give up on what God has said. You can't out-dream God. 
Most of us are familiar with Ephesians 3.20 that says, Unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think, to him be glory in the church now and forever. Well, another translation of that says, Unto him who is able to do way beyond anything that we can ask or dream or think, even in our wildest dreams. Folks, I want to tell you, I don't care how big your dreams are, they are not bigger than your God. And I've heard people try to talk people out of their dreams. I remember going to a high school commencement one time uh, in Manford when we were pastoring, and there was a well-known local newscaster from Tulsa that was the commencement speaker. And he, he, he was talking to these kids, and he was trying to say, you know, you can, you can do great things, but he, he limited it. He said, now nobody in this room is ever going to be the governor. Nobody in here is ever going to be the president. Nobody's going to be a senator, but you can do. I want to stand up and say, why don't you just shut up? Why, what are you trying to do, talk these kids out of their dreams? Because I want to tell you, there is unlimited potential in the next generation. Amen. Whatever we can do to reach the next generation, we ought to do. But I believe that God wants to encourage you as a body of believers today with this word, the best is yet to come. Sometimes when a church has a strong history, we think back and say, well, we, we can never be what we were. I've got good news for you, friends. You build on what you were to become what God wants you to be. And I believe that the best days are still ahead. And this, this is a process of growth. I believe it's time for Elm Grove Community Church to be full on days other than funerals. Amen. A lot of churches I've been to, the biggest crowds they have is when somebody died. Well, somebody did die, but thank God he rose from the grave. Amen. And we ought to celebrate Jesus. And there's a lot of people within a 30-minute drive of this church who know not Jesus. Amen. That's why I can say with confidence, the best days are still ahead. Amen. And God wants to, to use you and bless, your, uh, bless you uh, and give you increase. Um, I don't know. I mean, I know some of y'all I've known for a long time. And, and some of you I, I don't know well, but I, I just by the Spirit. But I, I wanted to give you all this word of encouragement. This cup right here. Uh, in the Bible, there, there's, it speaks of servant ministry. Now, we call it different things. But I see in you all, I see in you the ministry of serving. And I want to tell you, as you serve, God will use your service to build the church and to bless you. So I speak blessing on you because I see in you all the heart of a servant. And I speak blessing uh, upon, upon you. Uh, right through here, there's a lady in a, in a gray sweater, ma'am. Jesus is aware of some struggles that you have faced. But better days are ahead. 
Sometimes you felt as though you were going alone. But God is bringing you through to victory. Amen. Days of despair are behind you and better days are ahead. Uh, I just met, by the way, this is James uh, Cronister who uh, uh, drove up with me today. He's known uh, Jared and Jenny and their family for longer, longer than I have. Uh, so he he drove me, well, I drove up, but he'll be driving. He'll drive back and I'll sleep. Anyway, uh, James is a dear friend of ours and a part of our ministry, but his brother uh, and nephew are here today, and we're glad to have them too. Amen. They came over. Uh, but I wanted to. I just wanted to give you this, uh, brother. I see, uh, I see increase coming to you, and increase in responsibility, and with that, an increase in every area of your life. And I think that it seems to me that you have been in sort of, a, for lack of a better word, sort of a search mode. Like, God, what are you saying to me? I, I want to hear from you, God. What, what is next? And I want to tell you that, that uh, God has a plan. Amen. And he's beginning to reveal that plan to you. So don't be afraid of uh, the revelation of God in your life. Amen. Because he has a plan and it's a good. How many know God's got a plan? It's a good plan, a plan to bless you, not to curse you, to give you hope and a future. And uh, this young man, I just want to give you this word of encouragement too. I, I don't know what, where you are, what your situation is in school, but I, I see in you uh, a gift to lead. Other, other uh, young people are just followers, but God has set you up to be a leader in your school. And uh, just know that God's going to use you not only not only where you are now, but as you progress, God's going to use you because you have unusual leadership skills, and God's going to bless you. And God gave me a word. Uh, I've, I've given a word to J.D. before, uh, here and other places. But I, I want to, God spoke something to me, J.D., yesterday. Isn't it? Some of you might say, well, you mean God could speak to you? A day or two ahead before you come? Well, sure he can. I mean, oh, God knows the end from the beginning. Uh, what God spoke to me was, uh, I don't say this presumptuously, that God would call me by my first name, but I don't think he's going to call me pastor. <laughs> Amen. So, uh, Don, he, he said... Um, of all the young people that you have given a word to, the words that you have spoken over this young man are in the process of coming to pass. And I have given this young man a brilliant mind that will cause him to be a world changer. I want to tell you that someday that young man is going to do something significant in the scientific realm that will change our world. 
Amen. Now, that's a pretty strong word, but uh, I believe it. Uh, and God's, God can work in our lives. Amen. He, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty strongly pro-life. And the reason I am is, is based on the Bible, two things based on the Bible. The prophet said, while I was yet in my mother's womb, you called me. And the other one was when the expectant Mary went to visit the expectant Elizabeth, her cousin, Elizabeth was carrying John the Baptist and Mary was uh, carrying Jesus. When Mary walked into the room, John the Baptist in his mother's womb reacted, rejoiced. Folks, an inviolable mass of tissue does not have a Pentecostal spell. Amen. He had him a little shouting spell because he knew in his mother's womb that he was in the presence of God. Folks, God can begin to form in your child while they're still in the womb his divine destiny for that child. Don't forget it. I want us to look today to the book of Acts, the 8th chapter. We begin reading with the 4th verse. We'll read Uh, through the 8th, and then we'll go more towards the end of the chapter. Acts 8, beginning with the 4th verse. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for sowing into our ministry. What an awesome privilege it is to be with uh, Orville and Sherry White and uh, Jared and Jenny Cloud. Uh, We've known Orville and Sherry, I was thinking about this, it's been 40 years uh, that's a long time, and uh, we've been friends those 40 years. A lot of miles separate us, but it's so interesting when, when, whenever we have the opportunity to get together, it's just like we take up where we left off. That's good. That's real friendship when you just don't miss a beat, and we're so grateful for their profound influence. It's interesting that Orville mentioned that about the pancakes because I was thinking about that uh, a couple of days ago. <laughs> there were times when we got to get unannounced, we'd just show up and what have we got to eat? Well, you bring the syrup and we'll have the pancakes. Anyway, uh, <laughs> there, there were times where it was, but it was the fellowship that really counted. And I want to tell, uh, and Orville and Sherry know this, and Neil and Andrea, when they were here, we were all here together. There were times where we desperately needed one another. And that's the value of, of brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. Amen. Make your connections with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. God will bless you for that. Acts 8.4. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. See, the enemy scattered the church thinking that he would destroy the church by scattering the church when, in fact, what happened when the church got scattered, it just simply caused the church to multiply. Amen. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, the evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Um, An amazing, miraculous, 
powerful revival broke out in that city in Samaria. When this man named Philip left Jerusalem, came to Samaria, preached the gospel, people were saved, baptized in the Holy Spirit, healed, delivered, set free by the power of God. It was a tremendous revival that was directly a fulfillment of prophecy for Jesus said, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost most parts of the earth. So this revival in Samaria was a direct uh, fulfillment of the prophecy that Jesus had given to spirit-filled believers. So this great revival broke out. But interestingly enough, the most significant event in eighth chapter of the book of Acts may not have been this one a story of great revival, but it may actually be an event that took place later in the chapter. Let's look beginning at verse 26. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out on his way. He met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official, in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in a chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet and the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Peter, uh, Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture he was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before the shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture, told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look! Here is water, why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. The eunuch did not see him again. He went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, uh, appeared, or Philip, how, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. This is a story of the power of reaching just one. You see, we might look at this portion of Scripture and think that Philip's greatest accomplishment was the fact that he had a great revival in Samaria and hundreds, perhaps thousands of unnamed individuals came to Jesus. However, the most significant in that uh, event in that chapter might be very well his reaching this one man. Because this man was a man of profound influence. He was the secretary of the treasury for an entire nation. Now it is not recorded in scripture, but it is recorded in history 
that this Ethiopian eunuch, this treasurer of Ethiopia who served under the leadership of Queen Candace, went and took the gospel back to Ethiopia where there had never been any exposure to the gospel. He took the gospel to Ethiopia and to this day the church in Ethiopia traces its history back to this one individual. Never discount the importance of reaching just one person. I'm reminded in the Bible of several illustrations of the significance of just one. I'm reminded after, in the book of 1 Samuel, the 16th chapter, I'm reminded of the story of how King Saul had backslidden, had gotten away from God. And basically the word of the Lord came forth that God was taking the kingdom from him. And the Lord spoke to Samuel and said, Samuel, I want you to go down to Bethlehem to the house of Jesse. And there I'm going to show you the one who is to be the next king of Israel. And so we know the story of how Samuel took his flask of oil, the anointing oil, and he went to Jesse's household and said, uh, I'm to select from your sons. I, I want you to bring your sons before me. And, and, and so one by one he paraded his uh, seven oldest children. And, and so, you know, surely it's my oldest son. You know, he's, uh, he's the firstborn and he's very gifted. It must be him. And No, he's, he's not him. Uh, son number two, would you come forward, please? Number two. Number, uh, three, four, five, six, seven. No, 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 no. Got any more boys? Well, there's just, there's, there's, there is this one more. But, you can read it, but he's tending the sheep. In other words, you know, these, these, these other boys of mine are mighty warriors. You know, they're, they're, they're great. I mean, yeah, yeah the, the one that's out there plucking the guitar and, and writing songs and, you know, taking care of the sheep and, and playing with the slingshot all the time. I, I'm pretty sure he's not the one. Well, go ahead and bring him in anyhow, just in case. Now, this is the revised Don Couch version, but it's pretty close. Sometimes we sort of complicate. I thought my phone was off, but anyway. I just got a text. Got a text from heaven. Anyway. <laughs> Keep preaching. Okay. Amen. <laughs> he comes out. He comes in front of Samuel. And God speaks and says, He's the one. When others saw a shepherd boy, God saw a giant killing king. Folks, never discount the power of one. Because that young man who's just a shepherd boy became the sweet psalmist of Israel, became the greatest uh, king in the history of Israel, became the one known uh, as uh, Jesus said, Jesus became known as the son of David. 
when he was just a shepherd boy. I'm reminded in Acts the third chapter, Peter and John went up to the gate called Beautiful. And they were approached verbally by a lame man, a crippled man at the gates. And he spoke to them and they spoke to him and he looked at them, the Bible says, expecting to receive. He thought he was going to get some coins, some money. And uh, Peter and John said to him, well, we don't have any money. Silver and gold have I none. I don't know what that means to you, but that means I'm broke. And, and I believe that Peter and John had no, I don't believe they lied. I believe between the two of them they didn't have a nickel or a shekel. We don't have any money, but what we have, thank God they had something. And folks, we still have it today as spirit-filled Christians in the authority of the name above every name, the mighty name of Jesus. They said to him, get up. I know, you know, in the name of Jesus, right? But one translation says, in the name of Jesus, get up. Sometimes we try to complicate things a little. Get up! Well, he was just one crippled, just one disabled guy. What good could he do? I've often thought about this. Have you ever thought about this, that... Jesus undoubtedly passed that guy many times because the Bible says daily he was brought and laid at that gate. I'm of the persuasion that Jesus probably passed that guy many times with this thought in mind. I'm saving his miracle to later. I've got a plan. See, some of y'all wonder, where's Jesus at? He's got a plan. How many know his timing is perfect timing? Hmm. It's just one crippled guy. But when... He was healed. The Bible says he went walking and leaping and praising God into the temple. And it became noised abroad. And people were, isn't he the, we don't even know what his name was. He's just crippled guy. All of his life he'd just been crippled guy. All of his life, the only way he could make a living was to beg. While the other children ran and played and had a big time, he sat there begging for enough food to make it to the next day so he could come back and beg some more. His life was in ruins. But in a moment, his life was changed. And if you read the end of that chapter, end of the fourth chapter, you'll find out that the church grew to 5,000 as a direct result of his healing because of just one crippled man never discount what can happen when you reach just one some of you and there's a maybe a couple of you I don't know how if, if any of y'all are friends Facebook friends isn't that a wonderful way to communicate with people we can't talk anymore but we can Facebook or text but my wife posted uh, a little story a couple of weeks ago about a young man that we picked up on our bus route when we were pastoring in Manford. In fact, he and his brother were the very first kids that we picked up on the bus route. You see, we left Sealing, went to Manford. 
And when we, uh, when we got to Manford, there was a lady in the church that came to Kay, my wife, and said, I understand that you have done bus ministry before. And it's true. Uh, my wife Kay and Doreen Bloomer had bus ministry in Sealing. Went and knocked on the doors of a lot of kids and brought them. So this lady said, I know that you have done some bus ministry. And we need to start bus ministry. And Kay said, well, just give me a few weeks to kind of get settled in, and then we'll go, we'll go do bus ministry. She said, what about the kids that want to go to Sunday school now? Kay said, when do we start? And they said, how about Saturday? We didn't even get, we barely got moved in. They went and started knocking on doors. First door, these two little boys came. Lance and Ricky. Last Friday, a week ago, this past Friday, Lance, who worked for a hospice as a chaplain, was killed in an automobile accident at the age of 47. But between the time somebody knocked on the door of one little boy, and last Friday, that young man pastored churches in Oklahoma and Arkansas, was a missionary in Ghana, West Africa, was a missionary in Bolivia, started a Bible college in Bolivia and trained hundreds of young men and women to preach the gospel. And it all started by reaching just one little boy just one 41 42 years ago right before I came to Sealing I was youth pastor at First Assembly of God in Woodward and uh, I don't know how to say this that was the worst youth group in the history of mankind They were just, they were awful. I left there thinking I have accomplished absolutely nothing for the kingdom of God working with these kids. And the thing that made it doubly tough that was the worst kid in the youth group was the pastor's son. He was a... A rat. I remember going to his dad and saying, you know, I'm having trouble with these kids and your son's the worst one. He said, well, he's the only one. I said, no, but he's the worst. And he said, I almost fired you that day. But anyway, I was just telling him the truth. And I thought I was a complete failure with that kid. But I'm pretty sure this kid's preached in this church a few times. His name's Doug Eccles. Folks, I want to tell you, he was certified. But several years ago, he set a goal to win 100,000 people to Jesus. And about 10 years ago, he had to change his goal because he'd already reached 100,000. And now he's working on a quarter of a million people one to Jesus 
but he was just one ready kid in the youth group. Just one. 1934, a gentleman by the name of Brother Ham held a revival in North Carolina. Wasn't a very, I mean, he was a good evangelist and, and relatively known in that region. And uh, he was one of those old fashioned hellfire and brimstone evangelists. There were a couple of teenage boys who showed up for that revival meeting and they didn't like it because they thought Brother Ham was preaching at them. Some of y'all been around long enough to remember. Any of y'all remember that? I'm talking to you. So they decided they'd join the choir so they didn't have to look at him. Neither one of them could sing a lick evidently, but they... They, they went to the Don Couch School of Music. Anyway, <laughs> some of y'all get that. But anyhow, that night during that revival meeting, he gave an altar call. One of those teenage boys went forward and asked Jesus into his life. Just one teenage boy named Billy, Billy Graham, who eventually went on to preach to multiplied millions of people and brought millions of people to Jesus. But he was just one teenage boy. What I'm trying to tell you, friends is the value of reaching just one. See, most of us here today will never preach at a mass crusade overseas. But everyone here today can reach just one. You see, cooking a few hundred pounds of ribs on Friday might seem to be an exercise in futility a nice time of fellowship but it's all about the power of touching just one you see having service at the rock might just seem like, well, that's something that we got to do because we got to have Jared's got to have something to do. <laughs> no, it's it's about the power of just one kid that could come through those doors that has no hope except in Jesus, who the transforming power of Jesus could change his life forever. You see, nature forms. Sin deforms. Society attempts to reform, but only God can transform. And the transforming power of God touching just one life can change 
our world. Could be that there's one person here today who doesn't know Jesus. And if you're that one person today who has never accepted Christ or at one time walked with Him but you're not living for Him today, I want to tell you that if you were the only one person that was ever born a sinner, Jesus would have died for you. There's an old hymn of the church that says, Though millions have come, there's still room for one. There's room at the cross for you. You see, it'd be worth everything we invested in this day if one person came to Jesus. Or if one person left this building today and reached out with the love of Jesus to somebody out there in the community. For the real church of Jesus Christ is not what happens on Sunday morning, but what happens when the church meeting on Sunday morning goes out into the community and changes our world one life at a time. There's unlimited potential in reaching just one. You can be a life changer, a world changer, by touching just one. Let's pray. Lord, I'm thankful that one day somebody in children's church told me the story of Jesus. I'm thankful that one day I went to kids' camp And a funny man dressed up like an Indian made a little chalk drawing and told the story of the cross. And I came to know you as my Savior. I didn't deserve it, but you loved me enough to save me anyhow. Lord, thank you for your grace so rich and free. Thank you for the power of one how a world can be changed by influencing just one person. And I pray today that at Elm Grove Community Church, people will understand that we win the world one lost soul at a time. And we never know the impact that can happen as a result of touching just one. We pray today, God, that you would stir our hearts to be that individual go out with the mentality I can win one to Jesus Lord if there's somebody here today who knows you not who has never been saved or at one time walked with you but they've gotten away may this be the day that they come to salvation heads bowed we'll be brief here or if there's anybody here today would say brother Don I'm not living for Jesus Either you've never been saved or at one time you were living for Him, but you're not living for Him today. And you know if you died, you wouldn't go to heaven. Or if there's anybody here today, say, please pray for me. I need Jesus in my life. I need to be forgiven of my sins. Would you please pray for me? Anybody just raise your hand. I don't want to miss this opportunity. It's so important. Anybody say, I'm not living for Jesus. I want to ask Him into my heart. I really believe this message primarily today is to the church. A reminder of the importance of reaching just one. I wonder how many people 
would join with me today and say, you know, I may not be able to win the world, but I believe I could win just one. Would you just agree with me by raising your hand saying, I am willing to be used of God if it means just reaching one. Would you just raise your hand with me today? God, there's a lot of potential here if we can just reach one. Those kids that come on Wednesday night because somebody cared enough to bring the bus by their house. Lord, that... There, there, there could be a real world changer in that group. Lord, the, just the one kid that shows up for Taco Tuesday, just one, help us, God, to reach them. When we go out and go to the restaurant or we, we go to the gas station or go to the grocery store, and there may just be one person who needs some encouragement. Help us, Lord, to reach one. And help us, God, to begin today. It's been said, and if you do the math, it's true, that if everybody in the church would win one soul to Jesus, and then the next day, all of those who won one the first day and those that they had led to Christ, combined would we win one and then it happened again the third day in three days every person on the planet would be saved see most of us are never going to go out and win the multitudes but all of us can win one there's power in reaching just one God bless you today.